Today we are continuing in our series called One Change. And if you are new to Canyon Hills or visiting us for the first time, this series is is really about this idea of pursuing change to pursue Christ. And if this kind of resonates with you, if this piques your interest, you can actually log on to our website and listen to all the previous messages up to this point to kind of set the stage for it. But we're continuing in this series about really pursuing change in our lives, taking that next step, being that next level Christian to reach Jesus, to pursue Jesus with all that we are. And so in this series, we've been talking about what does it mean to pursue Jesus? How are we actively pursuing Jesus? Maybe we need to stop doing some things. Maybe we need to slow down in our life. Maybe we need to take a different road, a detour. Maybe we need to change our direction and completely turn around. Maybe we need to yield to God's will and maybe start doing more of he wants and less of what we want. Maybe we need to be more like him. Maybe we've been going the wrong way when Christ is saying there's only one way and it's towards me. And this series, it focuses on what that truly looks like. And we've been using this image of a cyclist because it resonates in this same manner because a cyclist is someone who sees the end picture. They know what the goal is. They know where the finish line is. They know what they're riding towards. And they have it in their heart and in their mind that nothing is going to stop them. No obstacle, no tragedy, nothing from achieving and reaching the end goal. And it's the same thing that we're trying to do through this series. It's the same thing that Jesus wants for you. He wants your heart and your mind to be focused on pursuing him no matter what comes in your way. Because he knows ultimately at the end, it will make a better you. It'll make a greater and it will make a stronger you. So in this series, we're really encouraging you to pursue the goal of making at least one change in your life this year. Maybe one change in your life to better pursue Jesus. And it can come in any number of things. A couple weeks ago, you got a little card that listed out some ways, and you'll see it again in a couple weeks, just ways in which you can truly experience this and reach out to pursue God. Because, you know, the Bible says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you, change you into a new person by changing the way that you think. You see, the bottom line, folks, is this. God is far more interested in changing your mind than your circumstances. Let me say that again. God wants to change your mind more than he wants to change your circumstances. And we all have circumstances in our lives that we really wish God would change, don't we? Maybe it's circumstances that cause problems, sufferings, pain, sorrow, anxiety, fear. Maybe it's a circumstance that's causing loss in your life. Or we're crying out, we're saying, God, change the situation that I'm in. God, change what I'm going through so I don't have to experience it. But maybe God's saying, I could do that, but let me change your mind first. Let me change how you approach this, how you deal with this. God, he says, yes, look, I know that these situations, I know these circumstances, they're hammering you. I know they're difficult for you right now, but what's most important to me, it's not what's happening to you, but what's happening in you. See, God is concerned about what's happening inside of each and every one of our lives. He's more interested in changing you before he changes the circumstance. He's more interested in changing your mind 
before he changes that situation because he can't do a transforming work in you unless there's a changing of your mind that comes first. And so write this down. We must manage our mind because it controls your life. If you've never thought about this before, it's so true. Your mind controls your life, your thoughts. Everything that you think, it really controls what it is that you do. Every action is preceded by a thought. You think it, and then you do it. Or if you don't think it, you don't do it. If that thought is good, the action you take will be good. If the thought is bad, the action you take will be bad. You see, thoughts control your mind, and your mind controls your actions, and your actions control who you are in this life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You see, your thought life is what shapes your life for good or for bad. So we must be extremely careful about which thoughts we truly allow ourselves to think about because our lives will start looking like and chasing after the things that we begin to think about the things that we become consumed about. And instead of being in charge of your life, whatever it is that you've been lusting for, whatever it is that you've been thinking about or that's been sitting on your mind, it will start to take control and affect the things that you do, the things that you speak, the things that you say, how you interact with other people, how you interact with God. You see, your thoughts control your life. Next, you must manage your mind because it's where the battle begins. See, that's really where it starts. The battle truly begins inside of your mind. When Satan gives you a sinful thought to play with, the battle is either won or lost immediately in your mind. See, your mind is a battlefield, and you have to choose. Which thoughts do you blow away? Which ones do you protect? Which thoughts will lead you into sinful actions? And which thoughts will lead you into holy actions? See, if you reject the thought in the name of Jesus Christ and you put your mind on godly things, set your eyes upon holy things in his name, you're going to win the battle and your actions will become holy actions. But if you reject them, if you reject Jesus and start to give in to the things of this world, you're going to start to see a change in your life. You're going to start to embrace things that maybe you never would have embraced before. And you're going to see that it's changing you for the worse. If you embrace and you play with the thought, you will lose that battle and the actions of your life will become sinful. Listen close. When we talk about sins like pride and lust, bitterness, hatred, anger, resentment, envy, any of those things, where do they all start? Start in the mind. That's where they all start. And that's where we have to confront them. That's where we have to battle them in the mind. That's where we need to defeat them before they can take root in our heart. You know, Paul said in Romans 7, chapter, 20, or chapter 7, verse 22, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead, I find myself still enslaved to sin. See, the battle, it's in your mind. It's in your brain. And it's fighting against your new life in Jesus. It wants to take control. And we have to manage our mind because third, it determines the end result. 
Write that down because it determines the end result. If you don't battle it, if you don't confront it, it's going to take root and it's going to lead you to making actions that affect your future, that affect where you're going to be for the rest of eternity. If you let your sinful nature control your mind, the end that you will get is the end that Satan has planned for you. It's the end that he wants you. But if you let the Holy Spirit take control, if you let God take control of your mind and of your life in the end, you will get what God has planned for you. You will get this everlasting life. Look at this. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 6, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there's life and peace. You see, we all have to decide, what do you want that end result to be in your life? Do you want it to be death? Or do you want it to be life and peace? See, if the sinful nature controls your mind and your thoughts, it's going to bring death to your spiritual life. It's going to be death to your relationships. It's going to bring death to your inner peace, death to every single aspect of who you are in your life. And you might say, but it's just a thought. Like, I'm not acting upon it, Matt. It's just a thought. I'm not doing anything. It's not controlling me, but yeah, it is. It's taking time away from God. It's taking time away from thinking godly thoughts and doing godly things in your life. It's taking over more and more and more of who you are as a person because you're acting on it. And one day, you realize that it now has control over your life. Listen close. It's up to you to control your mind. It's up to you. It's not up to God. It's up to you. And you can choose what you think on a moment-by-moment basis. It's your decisions. And it's true that you can't control every single thing that you see and that you hear. Because the reality is that Satan, he suggests things to you all the time. But what you can do is change the channel. Walk away from that situation Choose to think about different things instead of engaging in the things of Satan, but rather focusing on the things that are pleasing to God. It's your choice, and it's up to you on what your end result will be. And here's how you can do that. Three things in which you can help to focus your mind on godly things. First, you can manage your mind by feeding it the truth. You manage your mind by feeding it the truth. Just like your body needs good food to function right, Your mind needs good food to function right. It's the same exact thing. And the kind of food that your mind needs is truth. It needs to hear the truth. The Bible says in Matthew 4, verse 4, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Did you get that? We need more than just this physical sustainment of life. The one thing that truly nourishes us is the word of God. And we need to be engaged in it constantly. The words of God in the Bible, they are our soul food. They are the food that we need the most. And when should we do this? All the time. We should do it all the time. We should feed on the words of God all throughout the day. You know, experts tell us the best way to eat food is just a little every couple hours rather than eating big meals and then going long hours without eating. You know, just kind of nibbling your way through the day. And the same exact thing is true with the word of God. If we're constantly feeding ourselves, if we're constantly nibbling on God's words throughout the day, it's going to keep our mind in check. 
It's going to keep our hearts pure. It's going to keep us focused on the righteous and the holy things of God rather than engaging in the sinful things that exist in the world around us. We won't become transformed and changed by the world that's trying to influence us, but we will become sustained by the word of God. You know, David says in Psalms 119, I rise early to cry out for help, to pray, and to put my hope in your words. See, David says he gets up early to pray, to study, and to put trust in God's words. Do you start your day that way? When's the last time that you got up and prayed to God first thing before anything else and made it your goal to go through the entire day just focusing on the word of the Lord? not letting anything come in your way? Are you starting your day by feeding on the words of God? See, you get to choose how you start each day. You get to choose how you end each day. You can start it with the hope that comes from God's word, or you can start it with an empty soul, a non-encouraged soul that's fed by the disgusting desires of this world. You can also manage your mind by secondly, freeing it from destructive things. You can free it from destructive things. So your mind needs to be liberated. It needs to be delivered. It needs to be released from the thoughts and the destructive and the damaging things that exist around you. And the question is, what destructive things does your mind need to be delivered from? When you look at your everyday life, what things are you surrounded with that are just tearing you down, that are bringing you to that low place that you need to remove yourself from that situation? We need to, our minds, we, they need to be delivered from things like our old self. Write this down. Your mind needs to be delivered from things like the old you. Thought about that? Your old ways, your past, all these different things. Paul talks about how the old sinful nature can dominate your mind and your thoughts. In Romans 8, 5, he says, Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You see, we need to let the Holy Spirit have complete control inside of our lives. Every aspect of it so that our minds become delivered, that our thoughts become rescued from our old sinful nature, and that our thoughts and our mind will be focused on the things that truly please the Lord. And the question is, whose side are you on? Your old sinful nature side or the Holy Spirit of God's side? Who do you want to please the most, your inward desires or God? It's a simple question. Next, your mind needs to be delivered from things like the evil one. Your mind needs to be delivered from things like the evil one. See, Satan wants control of your mind every single day. And he wants it because if he can get it and keep control of your mind, he can control your daily life and he can control your eternal destiny. Now, the good news is if you're a Christian, Satan can't force you to do anything because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to protect you and to guard you. And he can give you the power to resist and to overcome these suggestions that Satan implants in your mind. And the Bible says this about the Holy Spirit who's living in you. It says, greater is he, the Holy Spirit that's in you, than he being Satan who is in the world. But you see, Satan he can make some pretty persuasive suggestions sometimes. He can drop some pretty nasty thoughts. His suggestions are powerful and they're always tempting because they offer a quick way to fix a desire that you have 
or a quick way to fix some situation that maybe you're dealing with in your life. And he will use anything near you and around you as a suggestion, a thought to place it in your mind, to let it take root, to plant it there. Maybe it's other people. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's the radio. Maybe it's something that you've heard. Maybe it's an event. Or maybe you just find yourself one day implanted with this thought where you're thinking, how did I get here? Why is this even something that is sitting inside of my mind right now? See, Satan wants you to think these dirty thoughts that cause you just to roll around in the dirt, that cause you to degrade yourself. And like the prodigal son that we talked about last week, our minds need to be delivered from the old you. They need to be delivered from Satan, who is the evil one. And our mind also needs to be delivered from things like the world's values. You see, the world's values are also just as strong and prevalent in our lives. And our minds need to be delivered from these values that exist around us every single day in our culture and our society. You see, this world has its own value system. I think most of us would agree it doesn't take us long to actually see that around us. It's promoted by advertisers. We see it in celebrities. We see it in movie. We see it in TV. We see it all over the place by songs. And a lot of this, a lot of what we see and what we hear has nothing to do with discipline, has nothing to do with self-control. In fact, if you actually listen, most advertisements say things like this, you deserve a break today. Have it your way. We do it all for you and obey your thirst. Think about that. Obey your thirst. In other words, it's about giving in to your animalistic instincts. Just if you see something, if you want something, just go for it. Just get it. Just satisfy whatever desire may currently be sitting in your life. It's crazy to think about. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but it comes from the world. See, everything that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, sex, the lust of the eyes, it's salary, it's possessions. The lust for pride of life, that's to have success. That's to have status, to be recognized. It comes not from the Father, but it comes from the world. The things that we think that we need the most in order to succeed and survive in life don't even come from the Father. See, listen, for these things, coveting these things, idolizing these things, sacrificing to obtain these things, money, sex, power, whatever it may be, that is what our system of our society values the most. That's what they push upon us. How do you fight against that when it's surrounding you, when it's everywhere around you? How do you fight to be delivered from the things that the world is constantly trying to shove down your throat? What do you do? You want to change. You want to do something different to pursue to be more like Christ. Well, maybe it involves taking an action, taking a step. I mean, you're up against a triple threat. You've got the desires of the old self, the schemes of the evil one, Satan, who's constantly bombarding you and tempting you, planting thoughts in your mind, and the values of this world constantly pulling at you. So how are we supposed to fight this battle? How are we supposed to win in a situation like this? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. Our weapons have divine power 
to demolish strongholds. We demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do you fight? Here's how. You take captive every single thought. You take it captive, and it's not to be obedient in the ways of the world, Jesus Christ, but it's to be obedient to this power that Jesus brings. The power that allows you to change in the name of Jesus Christ, you can demolish that thought. You can push it away. There's no thought. There's no stronghold. There's nothing that can stay inside of your mind. Nothing that can hold on in the presence of the name of Jesus Christ. He has the power to push it out. And these thoughts, these temptations, these desires, these overwhelming feelings, they flee in his presence. You have the power to do so the power in Jesus Christ. And in James chapter four, he tells us, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So how do you do that? You make your mind behave. You take captive of those thoughts. You take every sinful thought captive and you resist it and you command it to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you change the channel. You walk away from that situation. You change your mind to the word of God. You get focused on the things of God, and you'll start to see you begin to do the holy things that God has planned and prepared for you. No, we need to decide what David decided to do. In Psalms 119, he says, I have made up my mind to obey your laws, speaking to God, forever, no matter what. I like that. I have made up my mind. I have decided today that no matter what comes my way, no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, affliction, obstacle, pain, suffering, whatever it may be, nothing will come in my ways from obeying you because you are greater than every single thing I could ever possibly face. See, we must make up our mind to follow Christ alone no matter what. Or we'll just keep stumbling and we'll keep falling and rolling around in the dirt and the filth that this world has to provide. So you can manage your mind by feeding it truth, by freeing it from destructive things, and lastly, by focusing it on excellent things. By focusing it on excellent things. We must focus our minds on the things that are excellent, the things that are praiseworthy, not only on the Word of God, but also on these three things. We must focus our mind on things like Jesus. We need to set our mind on things like Jesus. Focus on your Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Just think about him. Think about how he lived, how he persevered in the face of everything that he faced in his life. Think about his example and what maybe he would speak into your life. You know, the Bible says, keep your mind on Jesus Christ in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In Hebrews chapter 12, he says, think about Jesus's example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. Man, I don't know if there's a greater encouragement than Jesus himself. A greater push for us to continue on despite what we're dealing with than what Jesus himself went through. And he says, I did it and I'm going to be there to help you through it. We need to focus our mind on things like Jesus, and secondly, on things like others. 
See, most everything in this world teaches us to think only about ourselves and about nobody else. How many times have we heard someone say, well, I've got to do what's best for me. But in Philippians chapter 2, it says, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others and in what they are doing. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. See, the reason why we give our tithes and our offerings to God to fill his church with resources so we can help each other, so that we can show the love of Christ to one another. We are to model our lives after the life of Jesus, who did not think of himself first, but always thought about putting others first, by helping others first. And that includes you, and it includes me, and that's what he wants us to do. And then lastly, we must focus our mind on things like eternity. Focus our mind on things like eternity. Do you ever think about heaven? About what it is? About what God has waiting for you on the other side? Scripture tells us in Colossians chapter 3, let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. See, when you focus on heaven and when you get a glimpse of what God has waiting for you at the other side, he cha- it changes how you live while you are here on this side of things. And it focuses you and it puts your focus on other people and how to get there because you want to help people see the same vision of the glory of God and what is truly waiting for you on the other side. You know, if God opened heaven for just even a nanosecond of our lives and let us see what he truly has prepared, that's all you'd ever think about, right? My mind would be consumed with that, desiring and longing to do whatever it takes in order to truly obtain and achieve that. There's nothing in the world that could hold me back from getting that. But God, he wants to show us. He wants to be there. And he says, there is no way you want to miss what I have store for you in heaven. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So how do you manage your mind and your thoughts? By focusing your mind on excellent things like Jesus, like others, and all of eternity. So wrapping it all up, we must manage our minds because it controls our lives. It's where the battle begins and it determines the end result of where we're going to go. But we can manage it by feeding it the truth, by freeing it from destructive things, and by focusing it on the excellent things that are before us. See, you and I, we have the ability to change our minds, to better pursue Jesus Christ by changing our thoughts. The question is, are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to commit to making that one change in your life. And if you are, let nothing hold you back from doing it. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful once again for this time just to come before you. God, to see what you truly have on your heart's desire for our lives. God, it's so easy to become entangled, to become ensnared and entrapped by the things that exist around us every single day. Everywhere we go, within work, within our families, our communities, our homes. Satan does a great job of planting these little seeds of division in our lives. But God, we know that you're the ultimate gardener. God, we know that you can weed these things out, God, but you need our help, our commitment to stay focused on you. 
And God, I pray that you just put your presence so heavily on each and every one of our lives this morning. God, that we would maybe see the things that we're giving into of this world, the desires of our hearts, the conflicts, the circumstances that are controlling our minds. And God, that we would release them to you. God, that we would surrender them. Say, God, we're trapped. We're entangled in this web. God, we're caught up in these weeds of life and we're ready for you to rescue us from them. God, I pray that you change our lives by allowing us to be committed to you, to what you have planned for us and to pursuing you in a whole new way. We love you, Father. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.